Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Chapman on the Post, episode two. I'm your host, Ross, and with me is the real host, it's Dave. Hello, hello. How, How are we doing? You? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. So, this week, we're talking Championship Manager 1. Wow. That's uh, a long time ago now. It is, and it's uh, it's before my time, and I think possibly before your time, so we've had to get some help in to... to uh, to help fill what would have been a very boring podcast otherwise. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is before my time. CM2 was my first game. So we're going to, well, Dave's going to talk to uh, Nick and Ant. They're going to interview those guys. We're going to throw to that in a minute. Um, and then we've got, I mean, not to disregard those guys, but we've got a special guest, Dave, haven't we? We have. We've got um, Chapman 9798 legend Bjorn Uh He's going to pop in for a chat. Wow. I mean, that, uh, Dave did that chat a few days ago just for... Uh, to be completely transparent there but I'm really looking forward to hearing it and what a legend what a fantastic player on the game and from what you've told me he sounds like an absolute legend to speak to you as well yeah he's um, I'm really looking forward to everyone hearing this because he's uh, you know he's every, everything you'd want him to be he's uh, full of chat and uh, he's got some really good plans which I think you're all going to want to hear so yeah. stick around for that definitely so that'll be the second interview of the show and then we're going to um, conclude the show with the draw for the Anglo-Italian CM Cup. I mean, as your reigning CM Cup champion, I'm excited about this. Yeah, there's there's no better man to help with the draw. <laughs> so, so you get the uh, you get the old balls warmed up, so to speak, That's and nice. uh, put, put your best tie on, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll make a hash of that later on. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, my history in these cups are varied, shall we say? Yeah, but you're only as good as your last tournament, and you're the current champion. So. Exactly. <laughs> Can I have Ariel Ortega in my team this time, somehow? Well, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers crossed for that. <laughs> but yeah, that'll be at the end of the show, so uh, keep listening for that if you're one of the th- well, one of the uh, 16 managers included. So yeah, keep looking out for that. But yeah, we'll throw straight to uh, Dave's interview with Nick and Ant talking about CM1. So we're starting right at the very beginning with the very first championship manager. As we spoke last time out with Paul and Oliver Collier, we'll be looking at the games from the very start right the way through to Champman 2004. So we're going right back in 1992 this time uh, and we'll be looking at championship manager 1 or just championship manager as it was called. Uh, Join me to help me out. We've got two enthusiasts because unfortunately I didn't start in this series until the mid 90s. So Rather than me try and flounder through a game, I've got two experts to help me out. So first, I'd like to welcome Nick. Hello. Nick, how are you? I'm not too bad. How are you, Dave? Yes, I'm all right, thank you. I'm Brilliant. All the better for you two being here. <laughs> uh, Nick, a quick uh, Champman bio, please. When did you start playing the game? 
Sure. So um, my first uh, introduction to the game was '93. Uh, so technically the second of the series. Um, always wanted to play the the Red Box '92. Uh, never got around to it. Um, but I picked up '93 when I was around about 13, 12, 13 years old. Um, and used to play it on the Amiga. Um, then kicked on to playing it on the PC for several years. Worked my way through the Championship Manager series quite a um, addictively, as I think most uh, most of the listeners of this sort of series um, could um, relate to, um, and played football managers right up till about four or five years ago. And these days, I, I just play the uh, the handheld versions of football managers, but I still play the '93 version on my phone and on my uh, tablet because it's just for me, it's the, the the purest form of the game, and it brings back a lot of great memories of playing. I can certainly understand where you're coming from with the, the purest form thing, which we'll come on to in a minute, but before <laughs> yeah. we do, uh, I'd also like to welcome uh, Ant. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thanks, Dave. Very well, thanks. Brilliant. Thanks for, uh, for coming on. Uh, same for you, Ant, really. What's your uh, what's your history with the game? So, similar to Nick, in a way, I started as well around um, 1993. Um, thankfully, I did manage to play the 92 version, the original. Um, that's only because, um, as I'll probably get into later, lucky to have an older friend who lived in the street who had the original, but I only really got into it from 93, 94. Um, series that came out, and I played that, all of the championship managers, right the way through, um, with favourites including 97, 98, or 1 or 2, probably my biggest favourite, um, went into the Football Manager series, but unlike Nick, I actually stopped playing Football Managers around 2006, 2007. I think it was at that stage I thought, yep, yeah, I've had enough of that, I'll just really play 0-1 or 0-2 um, or 93, 94, which... Um, Obviously, why I'm on here because I still do play 93, 94. I still, still love reading that old school text and uh, <laughs> getting the joys from it. Yeah, well, obviously I'm very much in the same boat as you both know what, what I do for all my spare time. But um, it's uh, you're quite right. From the the couple of seasons I did play on, uh, I think it was 93, 94. It's it's very addictive and quite easy to to power through maybe 10, 15 games in an hour if you if you know if you really if you're really gunning it. Uh, which I think mm-hmm. is quite a big selling point compared, like you say, the, the newer games where it's, uh, you know, you might get through two games an hour if you if you're lucky and you don't take training for three mornings of the week. So, so Nick, what keeps keeps drawing you back to to the original Chum Manager? Um, well, as I say, part of it is is the memories. You know, coming back to to uh, bring back certain parts of my childhood in a way. You know, trying to it's, it's on near to forty, trying to relive my youth a little bit there. But um, but also, I mean, it it, it just as I say, it's just so nice and simple to play. As you say, you can power through. Um, you know, within within uh, a, a couple of hours, if you really go for it, and you really know who you want to buy, you set up your formations and things like that. You can get through a season within a couple of hours, really, if you if you really want to. And it's it's quite good fun. I, I quite often play as more than one team at a time. So I might have my, you know, being a Man United supporter, I might have my classic Man United team with Schmeichel and Giggs and people like that involved. But then I might have a bit of fun, sort of in the original 93, I'd quite often play as Newcastle because at the time they were in uh, the um, second division, or division one, actually, as it would be then. Um, and they were a really good uh, lower league or 
you know next tier down team to players because you know you could pick up some really good players from but they had some quality within the squad already or you know sometimes I might play a, a um, in the 93-94 update, if you play as Wickham in the uh, the old Division Three, um, and they're a great team to build up and draw all the way through the league. So um, yeah, it just it's just real nice and and clean and simple, and it's not overly complicated. You so say you don't have to mess around with um, training tactics and things like that, and you get to buy some of your heroes from from those days. You know, there's there's members of the you know the 1990 World Club Cup squad, and they're still in their playing peak at that point so it's just um yeah it's just a real 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 trip down memory lane for me every time now some of this when i asked about this on twitter um no one seemed to really have an answer but do either of you remember how you got into gamers in was it like a, a marketing campaign for it or how did you stumble across it and do you remember how, how it first came into into your life yeah so um for me um it was a case of I uh, lived on the street with an older lad, like I say, who um, basically he was playing the game before obviously we were, and um, like I say, I was about nine years old, and we went around his house, and he was basically just like, "Oh, I've got this game," and we're just like, "Well, this looks amazing," and uh, it was just like you know, because you basically were almost living out. Like Nick kind of mentioned, you had all these players who you kind of start to watch on a TV and things like that, and especially, which we'll probably get on to, like um, the Italian players and things like that, you know, like kind of go lazo on Sunday mornings and <laughs> watching that and then thinking, oh, well, I wonder if I could buy, you know, Vieri, I wonder if I'll be able to get him. And it just kind of, you know, you could literally try and live out those dreams of, I want to maybe manage or coach or be a footballer and you almost had that at your fingertips and like I say as like a nine year old going on ten thinking this is the best thing ever um, and I was the same as Nick I played on the Amiga and I think what was so easy about which probably isn't great from obviously you say marketing campaigns about going by it kind of copying games was quite easy back in those days of little floppy disks so I'm not saying that I was one of those people just in case they're listening out there but uh, it was very much a case of it was just a you know right there's two floppy disks great you know I've now kind of got my startup although it was there were three disks but you kind of you know just went off and that was it you were you were kind of good to go and as long as you spent maybe two hours handwriting all the codes down from someone's book you were <laughs> that was that was it you know kind of 93 94 you went off on your way yeah I was just going to say, just just to chime in there. I hope you don't mind, Dave. But yeah. one of the one, one of the interesting things about the Amiga version of the game was you actually had to copy the discs. You know, it told you in the manual that you had to copy it because yeah. if you didn't, and this is a mistake that I made the first time I played it in my youth, um, it saved over the data on the disc because yeah. the Amigas didn't have a hard drive attached to them. So my very first game, um, I remember I got stuck in a game where I was Liverpool and a couple of other teams, and I didn't want to play as Liverpool, so. I got my dad to try and take it back to the shop and uh, was given a, a a stern telling off by the shopkeeper saying, did you not read the manual where it says to uh, to copy the game? But, um, yeah, I mean, it, just saying though, that the big thing for me, the big big change that, that I found with Championship Manager as well, before this came around, I played games like uh, Gray and Taylor's International uh, Soccer Challenge, yeah. I think it was called, and Man United in Europe as well was another one where you could manage the team but it was very, very limited, mm. very, very limited in what you could do. And this was the first game 
that really opened up some opportunities of being able to buy all of these players and run through many, many, many seasons um, and pick up players from abroad and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's just it just opened up a, a realm of possibilities for a young mind. Yeah, and and on that front, uh, Nick, I must admit, did, were you one of these people who had a um, second disc drive? Because I must admit, I did, and I don't know how anybody having a Mega would have lived without it. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it was one of those whereby you know, you, and I know it's kind of not linked to Champman, but games like Simon the Sorcerer that was out there it was yeah. seven discs. I mean, who who who's got time to change seven discs when you've got one <laughs> disc drive? So, but yes. How time to change that. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that uh, struck me when I was playing, I think, I, I, God only knows what version I was playing, but Newcastle had, uh, we're back in the Premier League with, with Beardsley and, and, uh, and Cole, so I'm guessing it was some sort of disc, uh, data disc update for maybe 94, 95, something like that. Um, but it had, uh, the teams had scouts and things, and scouts by name rather than just yeah. from sort of yeah. Jumpman 2 onwards. That, that disappeared and then came back in the later versions. Um, yeah, the, sorry. Uh, it's quite a quite a strange thing to have a feature that then sort of disappeared for a few years, then came back. Yeah, there was there was a few few sort of different backroom staff that, um, you know, obviously I don't know the Newcastle backroom staff, but again, as Man United fan, I know that quite a few of the names for the United backroom staff were were, were correct. And as you say, the, the the scouting policy, it was it was very hit and miss. I don't know if you find that found that, and it was. You know, you could scroll through your scouts and you'd know ex-player Andy Little, great example, yeah. uh, as a youth player, picked up Andy Little and you guaranteed a few goals a couple of years down the line. Um, but if you go to a top club, the youth scouts never pick up him as a, as a top player, but he's definitely one of the best young players in the game. So it's just, um, yeah, it's a little bit hit and miss. So it's, it's interesting they drop that. One of the other things that they dropped between the, the seasons, well, which I always liked, was in the very first 93, you got the um, the teleprinter, teleprompter at the end of the games that would give you the results, and that was dropped in the, the 93-94 update. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they tinkered with quite a few bits between the games, I think. Yeah. And on that backroom stuff, because I think you could have three scouts, wasn't it? And um, one of them was specific for youth. And you also had, I think, a physio and a um, head coach. But what your head coach and physio were able to do, I don't think it really made much of an impact. Uh, but they did have ratings. It was great. You could go like, oh, I want to search for superb. And there yeah. were some that were just known as unknown. So you're like, well, you, you don't know what you're getting. So yeah. you might have just got the kitchen porter to rub someone down after a game, maybe. So. <laughs> But again, though, interesting that came back in and, you know, Champman 3 onwards, where if you look for any staff, they all had a reputation. Uh, and mm. even one of those was, I think it was unproven or whatever, I can't remember what they call it now. But So interesting that kind of carried over to a, a different part of the game, albeit far more in-depth. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if they, they just parked it for a few years while, you know, while they were developing other areas of the game. Who who knows, who knows? Yeah, it's, uh, it's very strange. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you heard the first podcast, but the lads I mean, had absolutely no memory of any of this whatsoever. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I must admit, especially when um, you mentioned around uh, um, Freire or Oscar and Mark Hollis, when they were just like, oh, we don't know about that. And I just think I would love to know which rogue developer went <laughs> yeah. off and was just like, right, I'm a Cambridge fan. These are going to be two unreal players. So <laughs> I was, you know, for the guys who made the game to be like, 
none the wiser. I thought that was tremendous. So, <laughs> if if not slightly disheartening as a long time <laughs> fan. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you know, it happened all again years later with with Tor Madeira in, uh, in Chapman One or Two. So yeah, true. Always, there's always some bugger trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to sneak things in. Um, speaking of no real players, the first game in '92 uh, was released without any real players, which I think the lads put down to uh, a licensing issue. Uh, and did you see you managed to play this one? Yeah, I did. Like I say, it was sporadically because we're already in uh, like '93, as in the guy got the game and he was like, "Oh, this is what it used to look like." It was almost just like, "Oh, this is you know, kind of a loan." As in, here you go, see what it was like. But it, it was basically the same. It was just random people's names instead, which it still made it good. There was still that kind of all. Oh, you know, you were buying someone, but it was just, you know, I'm buying, you know, I'm from down the road, and you're like, it It didn't have the same aura to it, which obviously as soon as they put the players that you were watching in the game, I think it just, that that was the, I think probably the killer move for them to make it as good as it's been. As soon as they got that, that was the turning point. Yeah, so then we came into 1993, and um, it came out with the real players, and then from then on, it was it was just update discs. Do you either, either remember how those what the discs were about? Did you have to buy them, or were they kind of like a, a discounted price because you already had them? Yeah, they they, they were. Uh, you had to purchase them. There was an additional disc, as uh, Ant sort of alluded to earlier on. So you had to still have the original game, hmm. and then you you at certain points you were prompted to put in the other data disc. And if I remember rightly, Ant, you might be able to correct me on this. Once you'd got a game loaded on the the update, you didn't need to then mess around with the, with the, the, the two different discs, but I might be wrong. I know that uh, on the PC version of it, you once you uploaded the update, that was it. You were, you were fine to go. But um, the Amiga one, it's been a long time since I played it now. No, I, I, th- I think you're right, Nick. I think the only thing you had to change was, depending on what save you wanted to play on, would be your other change disc sort of thing. That would be your only change, I think. But no, I, I believe you're right, Nick, in what you're saying there. So... I do remember with the first Italia uh, version that was brought out, because they brought out um, Chamandra Italia and then Italia 95, which was the last one, as far as I'm aware, that was in this kind of style. That was advertised uh, to buy on one of the um, one of the update discs. It sort of had a holding screen, and uh, you had to send off to buy it. I think it was like, I don't know, £24 or maybe a little bit less than that then, and you you had to convince you'd have to send a check off to this random company hope <laughs> something came back. No, it, it definitely is because the version I play on on my uh, via DOSBox on my PC now, it still has that page <laughs> open. So I'll, I'll try and take a photo up after this uh, and I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely on there. I'm thinking it's like a PO box you send it off to. <laughs> so... I mean, they, really? stuck, they stuck with the data disc idea right up until I think 95, 96 had a, an update for what would become 96, 97 but then they sort of parked it after that um, but you know quite a novel idea really to uh, to update a game yeah yeah well I suppose that, you know they've, they've done all the groundwork and all the mechanics of the, the, the game are in there it's just updating the, the player information isn't it and exactly. I broke something that works you know um was there a certain tactic or style that you knew if you set your team up in that way you would you would win the majority of the time? I know people are always kind of searching for this perfect tactic. What was was there one for this this era? Or? 
Uh, well, it, there was for for me and kind of my mates when we were playing on it. Um, we, but uh, since then, I've found that loads of other people played lots of other different formations that seemed to work just as well. But yeah, mine was um, we used to play a flat back four with a left back and right back going forward, um, two centre mids, one attacker mid, which I think was known as like support or like SUPP in the tactic screen, and then three central strikers. Um, and normally used to play past defeat. I, I don't know why, but I seem to remember either many years ago reading when I was playing on it at the time that if you play past defeat, it increased your attendance. But I don't know whether that was just a myth <laughs> or what, but it was almost like you played better football. You got higher attendances, and it tended to then mean that obviously your board would if you were packing out the stadium increase your stadium which was obviously always good especially when you start off with the team like I normally did with Sunderland where it was maybe only about 20,000 and you're like we need more if we're going to compete with the likes of Nick's Man United so uh, yeah but I don't know about you Nick what you played um, I think I'm similar I think um, I used to play when I first started playing it I was uh, very much a 4-4-2 again because the United set up you know you, the players that you had it, it, they put themselves to a 4-4-2 but I remember I was playing a, that, that change when I was playing a particularly uh, long running version of the game and I found through injuries um, that uh, actually if I played less defenders and more midfielders I had great, a greater amount of success so Eventually, I had one save where I was about 18 seasons in, and I was playing two at the back, two centre-backs, um, an anchor man sitting in front of those two defenders, a support player again, which was, you know, somebody I picked up. I think I played David Platt for a number of years, and then three up front, and push two of those pushing forwards, and that seemed to work quite well for me. I used to get some... Uh, double-figure scores and things like that. I don't know whether how competitive it really was, whether it was a bit of a, a fudge, but originally it was good old 4-4-2, um, and that kind of kept the game uh, a steady level of competitiveness that I still lost a few games here and there. Did the uh, anchor man, Nick, did he used to always have like an arrow going left and right, no matter whether you put him in that role? Do I yes. think remember that? Yeah, yeah I always yeah. thought that was great when you put him in. I think the sweeper was the same. Yeah. If you played a sweeper, you used to have a little arrow left and right and you couldn't how do many, anything about it. Yeah, how many players did you ever find that could play sweeper? I think if you play again, if you played the Italian one, you got a few guys like Baresi and stuff, you could stick back there. Yeah. But I don't think there was ever... I can't remember any of the, any of the English players that could ever play sweeper, so I yeah. never quite never got quite got to play one of them. Yeah. I think the struggle with my pass to feet direction, to be fair, never mind playing sweeper. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at some point during all this, um, the whole of Britain was going crazy for Italian football. Obviously, helped by Gaza and David Platt and some others being over there. Uh, so much so, the release of Champman Italia, which we talked about a couple of minutes ago. Uh, did you both have this one as well, or was this just a pipe dream? I, I had 95. I didn't have the original version. My friend down the road had the, the original version, but I had the 95 update for it. Yeah, I, I played on CM Natalia. I had, a, like I say, a friend who was able, you know, as a young person, was an entrepreneur selling copied versions of several different items available. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I managed to play a knockoff uh, copy of CM Natalia. So, yeah. 
I think if I remember rightly in that game, and I, I was trying to scratch my head because I've not managed to find a version to play on the DOS box like on the PC now, but I'm certainly hard, and Nicky might remember this better, is um, like a foreigner rule. I'm certain you could only play the yes. four or five foreigners and you couldn't play any more, which was yeah. kind of awful if you played in the Milan team that yes. seemed to have <laughs> loads, but the Milan yeah. team was so good. It was just ridiculous how good that Milan team was. But I, I always think, remember, you were like, oh, I'll just play him and him and him, and you're like, nope. Was yeah. it four or five that you I, weren't? I thought it was, in my head, I thought it was three, but you might be right. It four. Right. It's similar to if you play the European games, you can only play three foreign players and obviously all the home nations except for England count as foreign players as well so you know any any Scotsman or anything like that you've got in team you're, you're a bit you know up, up the guy but, but yeah. um, you know uh, but uh, yeah it, as you say uh, in the Italian one he, if you played as Milan you, you had to pick out the, the wonderful three Dutchmen I just think about that 95 you didn't have Huller he'd gone to Sabdori already but you had like uh, Savicevic and Boban and people like that there as well, and you could never fit them all in the same team, unfortunately. Well, that was still a rule when, uh, I don't know if you remember, but when Champman 2 was out, they released uh, two separate discs, which was three European leagues, which you could only load one. Um, and I remember getting that and thinking, well, this is terrible, I can't play like half the squad. <laughs> so obviously it must have been an actual rule at the time rather than just a... Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, because they... At the time, obviously, teams like Milan just started packing packing their squads out, and they were trying to keep as many uh, Italians in. And obviously, we didn't have the the the, the same rules uh, for the for EU as they have now, mm. where you can, you know, so it was, it was work permit in theory for anybody that was non-native to the country. So they could put restrictions on like that. But um, yeah, it did make it a frustrating one if you yeah, wanted. Yeah. Papan, Van Basten, oh, yeah. Rijkaard and uh, and Boban all in your team at the same time. It could be a bit annoying. Yeah, I must admit, when you asked us to pick our favourite players, Dave, I was Papan was so close to getting in, <laughs> so close. It's probably that foreigner rule to kick them out, to be honest, because he didn't yeah. play enough. <laughs> um, well, actually, you've just sort of made a nice segue for us into this little bit of homework I set you both, which is to name <laughs> five legends from this era of champ manager now. Um, amazingly there's only one player who came up twice who, which is who we'll start with but just to give everyone the full picture so I asked Nick and Anthony to name five legends from the sort of 92 to 94 era of champ manager um, and then we'll just have a little bit of chat about them so the guy who came up for both of you was Paul Warhurst now <laughs> <laughs> now Paul Warhurst I know is not a legend but you know, he, was, he, was a, he was a decent Premier League player but I'm guessing they must have had a markdown of some sort of wonder kid early doors, did they? Yeah. Or who, wants, who, who wants first crack at this one? I'll, I'll let you take it first, Dan. Yeah, um, well, I must admit, you must think Paul Warhurst is listening in if you're saying that he was a decent <laughs> Premier League player. Um, I don't even think he was that good. But, yeah, um, I mean, Paul Warhurst, for me, I think he was probably the original utility player ever created in like a championship manager scenario so for anybody listening who didn't play the game he was classed as a defender midfielder attacker central and it was literally a case of you could put him in any of those roles play him at centre half with anybody he'd be getting eight to nines every game play him up front he'd score you a shed load you put him in midfield and he was basically like your Rolls Royce of a midfielder <laughs> um he really was just ridiculously good, but I always thought it was sometimes quite hard to get him off 
Blackburn, because um, when you did get him, you were over the moon, because Blackburn was around the time of, like, Jack Walker and things like that. So the normally, I think, Blackburn started, that's, like, 93, 94, um, series with about 17 million, I think, in the bank. And, I mean, they already had, like, Shearer up front. They had Warhurst and they had people like Colin Hendry and Flowers. So you had a spine of a team that you were like, well, you know, and 17 million on top of that, the, the kind of didn't really need to sell very often, but... Yeah, I mean, just what a great player. Just you buy him every single time. Yeah, absolutely. I can't agree more. It's exactly what you were taking the words right out of me in my mouth when I was thinking about it just then. Um, so he could play every position. He, he was brilliant at every position. Even if you bought him on the, 90, the 93 version where he's at Palace, I think, where he starts off. Um, he's, he's just quality in every single position. He's quite young as well. The one time you do tend to... Uh, game for from Blackburn is when, as you say, they, they start spending those big bucks and they'll bring in a central midfielder. They don't need to play him up front because they've got Shearer, Sutton, yeah. Gallagher, Newell, so they never oh. play him up front. So then they, they ends up getting fed up wanting first team football, so he gets put on the the transfer list. But he's for every other club, he's he's normally quite a hefty amount of money coming, you know, to, to splash out on him, you know, four or five million, which you you just don't spend that much normally uh, on that version of the game, but. He's uh yeah he's just absolute the, the name to go to if you if you're going to spend a bit of money on that on that version of the game. Was he always good? Um, even if as I say there was two or three data disc updates, was it never a case the players would get downgraded or anything? Were they always you know the same throughout the series? Or? Um, I don't I can't remember many players getting much worse. There were a few players that, that I found were inconsistent between the games. So. Um, Les Ferdinand, for example, if you play on 93 and he's at QPR, um, he's absolutely brilliant. But I seem to remember in the update discs, he wasn't as consistent, wasn't as useful a player. But I don't know if you found that as well, Ant. Um, yeah, I mean, Ferdinand, yeah, let's say he's probably one of those that was great when you first born. But as for other players that maybe, I don't think there was a big downgrade if they were good, they were kind of like Nick says, maybe went a little bit worse, but I mean, in the case of Paul Warhurst, definitely not. I don't think, you know, he, he definitely didn't. Um, but yeah, for others, it was just maybe slight little tweaks. Like I think, um, I mean, I mentioned Robbie Fowler and one of mine from one, he's quite available and quite readily available for lower league teams. When the next update, I think they realized how good he was mm. and they didn't, like, you know, you couldn't really get him. He was kind of like a Liverpool mainstay and he was a lot more expensive, even as like a 19-year-old. So they, they did do tweaks in a good way that you thought, yeah, that's more realistic. So, yeah. They defined player roles. I've actually just, I just thought of one. Sol Campbell was one that um, yeah. if you buy him the first cut, you can, you can play him as a striker or a defender. And I think in the first update, you can play him anywhere. And then by the, the last update, he was only a defender. But he was another player that if you could get him, um, he was quality. He was very, very cheap on in the 93 version, but then started to reflect his ability <laughs> as he went on. So uh, next on the list, Nick, we'll start with, with your your second pick. Because uh, you picked Ray Wilkins, who's sadly no longer with us, but yeah. it's you know it's easy to forget how much of a superstar he was. Um, Absolutely. In the yeah. peak of his career. So I'm guessing that carried over in the game. What, what was your... 
or just story behind Will Wilkins? Yeah, good, good old Butch. Well, uh, Wilkins play, plays a, 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 a. He kind of characterises quite a few other players for me, but I picked him on purpose because um, he. he I, Bought him in so many versions of, the, of you know, or so many games that I've played on it that I had to pick him out. Um, that with older players like him and Brian Robson, you could probably put into the same uh, sort of area. Terry Butcher and players like that. They didn't, or even though they age, their stats didn't seem to drop. And you know, someone like Wilkins, where he had twenty for passing and twenty for creativity. He was a great player. He was normally very cheap to buy, so you could bring him into your squad. He'd normally have a load of influence as well, so he could be your club captain. And you could you could play him for several seasons and really get good value for money for him. And he was always just an absolute quality player. The one sort of challenge you would have, and again, Robson was the same as this, is if um, he was still manager um, at, uh, again, Crystal Palace in the update, he was wasn't manager on QPR, I don't think, on the 93, so you could buy him straight away. But on the, he was manager of QPR on the update, and Robson was uh, manager of, of Middlesbrough on the update, where he was at United on the, on the original 93 version. Um, so if you could get them away, Hoddle's another one actually at Chelsea, if you could get them away from their clubs, you know, they'd sacked, been sacked as the manager, but they were still there as a player, um, then they were just brilliant players and say good old butch you know i must have played him till he was about 42 43 and and somehow somehow he'd, he was still creating plenty for me <laughs> nothing like getting your money's worth eh, Nick? <laughs> That's it, yeah, yeah. good 40 grand buy or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i must admit when you said there about wilkins as soon as you said him i thought yep he, he had a stack load of 20s considering you know I, th- I think the only reason why i didn't really buy him often was his age I always seem to love just buying young players and watching them, you know, develop through the years. But yeah, a great player on the game. So speaking of young players, Anthony went for uh, Neil Lamptey as your uh, mm. as your second pick. Um, <coughs> this this name always comes up when when people talk about original champ man. Um, what, can you tell us about him, please? Yeah, so I mean, on one of the databases, um, he basically, um, I think it might be '93. Um, he starts off. It's either vice versa. It's either '93. He starts off at Aston Villa, or he starts off on the foreign transfer list. So I can't remember which way around it is, but obviously, when he starts off on the foreign transfer list. He still looks great. He's an attacking. He's a midfielder. He's attacker. Um, I think he plays centre and right. And he's just got all the like right characteristics, pace, creativity. And if you can get all of them, he's amazing. I think obviously whether the Aston Villa manager at the time, I don't know who it would have been, maybe Brian um, Little or um, Thingy Gregory or something like that. Whether he had a son who had champ manager and he said he looks good, I thought let's buy him. But I always remember one he was at Aston Villa on one of the um, on one of the saves. And but on mine that I play on, he's on the phone list, and he he's just one of those guys where once you get him, he's he's such a good player. Um, and like I say, just I did find though sometimes his name would be spelt differently i think maybe on one version than the other i think it was like lamp t or lap t sort of thing it was like either l-a-m-p-t-e-y then one time i think it might have been spelt without the y uh, without the e so whether or not they had his name right or not I, to, still at this day I, I don't know well i mean as we've seen with a few examples research was a lot harder to do back then um yeah but with this guy he was generally bigged up to be the next big thing um I think you must have been an Andlecht when you say about the, the foreign transfer list. Yeah. Uh, and then you ended up in England at 
uh, Villa and then I think later on Coventry but if you read up a uh, quick Google search on him there's a lot of people saying he's like the example of how not to burn out a young player kind of thing he had all the world on his shoulders by the sounds of it possibly because of champ man who knows so Nick you picked uh, David Platt who if, I'm, oh. if my timeline's right I think he would probably just about been made England captain around this sort of time so I would think absolutely yeah good <laughs> Yeah, he was he was one of the uh, the uh, English-based foreign players on the game. So you just see, you know, when you're looking at foreign players, you'd see Italy next to his name on the uh, the, the player list. And he was normally very difficult to get hold of uh, for at least a season or so. Um, what you'd sometimes find is he wouldn't be picked for an England squad. Um, and at that point, he'd become available for a, a, a lower rate from the uh, the foreign player list. And, um, you know, going back to what we were saying about the formations, if you play Platt in that supporting role behind your front strikers, he, he would guarantee you 25, 30 goals a season. He was an absolute monster. Um, so, yeah, um, definitely one to, to buy. He was never cheap. You know, as I say, even when, we, when he became available, you're looking at five six million for him but he was worth every single penny and he's another one that i used to try and <laughs> milk him out into his into his 30s if i could <laughs> uh, you, you must have had a crack on physio than on your stuff than uh, yeah <laughs> yeah well that, yeah he didn't have an unknown reputation it was definitely <laughs> <laughs> uh, might be a silly question but as players got older did their stats not Degenerate like they do in kind of games now, or were they, was it like stamina and things? They always stay up, or was it? I think I've lost you guys there. Are you still around? Now? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I can, I can probably pick that one up, Dave, if you can hear me. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Um, I've got, I'm back now. Sorry, guys, I'm not sure what happened there. Okay, sorry. No problem. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to explain if stats go up and down with with age or not. From my recollection, I, t- I don't believe they do because I managed to finally buy Paul Gascoigne from a similar situation like with David Platt. Managed to buy him in his 30s um, from the kind of foreign transfer list. And when I bought him, he was still about three or four 20s in his stats and things like that. So I think it's just their average rating in the game maybe just wasn't as good as what it would have been. So it's almost like it was factored in, but just not statistically on the profile that you viewed, but Nick might remember differently, but I can't remember it being drastic that it went from 20 to 10 overnight sort of thing. Yeah, no, I can't remember anybody really dropping down uh, in any particular way um, over the time. Um, as I say, I played quite a few guys till they were well into their 30s and 40s, and, and yeah, I can't even remember things like pace or anything like that dropping off. So um, I think... Uh, Eventually, it'd just be you get fed up with them, and you, if you were really cheeky, you might do the um, the old cheat of insuring them and putting them up for the up for sale. And if they were over thirty, they'd retire, so you would get their their value in your transfer coffers for the next year. Uh, that's clever. <laughs> yeah. um, I only found that out like yes the, the other day when you put this out <laughs> on Twitter. I only found, I was just like, what is this? What is this sorcery that you're on about? So, yeah, I did think though, I was like, it sounds a little bit like cheating. So I was just like, but yeah, I'm definitely going to try it though. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of, uh, of cheating, uh, and you picked two players as your next pick, if that makes sense. Um, but it's the two lads who 
we just spoke about before. I think it was at Cambridge where they, they aren't actually real players, but they were superstars. So I, I've got Orozco and Collis. What, what, what were these two lads all about? So, yeah, I mean, Freire, Orozco and Mark Collis, I mean, just pure raw creations. And I must admit, it's it was amazing in my eyes, you know, like to think that whoever put them in is probably marked as a hero for mm. Loads of us, and I would like to think they were Cambridge fan because I think everybody there knew that Cambridge played at the Abbey Stadium because you start to save as Cambridge to then, um, you know, just to have those players. Because I think Orozco was a defender, right centre, and Mark Collis was like midfield attack centre. But Mark Collis, I think, was slightly younger than maybe made him like early 20s, where Orozco was more like already 27, 28 in the game. So you were lucky if you had a Roscoe for maybe more than two or three seasons. He would be straight off abroad at attended the found. And Collis would stick around a little bit longer, but once again, fourth, fifth season, just expected to move abroad. So, at one point, did you realise that these two weren't real? Like, I'm guessing you were sort of scouring Cambridge team sheets and things looking for these two lads, but they, they, weren't, they weren't real? Yeah, I, th- I think it was just talking to kind of, you know, your friends who were playing the game and going, oh, have you seen them? And then obviously you got talking going, yeah, but I haven't seen them play for Cambridge on a Saturday or like, you know, heard about it. And then eventually, you know, the rumour mill gets churned around and you hear back that, you know, there were just two kind of raw creations put in. Oh, well, as I say, it's just one of those things that make a champ so, uh, so loved by many because there's always these little things that, uh, that turn up. Um, Definitely. Nick, your next pick was uh, Stan Collymore. Big Stan, yeah. Um, he was, yeah, he's one of those players at the time. If you played the original 93, he's at um, he's at Southend, quite a young prospect. And I, I, I don't know um, if uh, Ant finds this as well, but for me, him and uh, Chris Armstrong were the two yeah. strikers for England's future. Uh, on those early days, um, or at least if you played the, the Chapman world, um, so he was always a you know a good player to bring in. Also had Andy Cole that I nearly nearly put in there as well. But with Stanley, you had him at say at Southend. Then he went to Forest in the updates, and he was just a really good all-round striker to have. And he, I, I keep coming back to it, but he's good value for money. You can see the kind of wheeler dealer <laughs> uh, manager I was. But yeah, you could. Compared to if you were trying to buy Shearer or, like say, Andy Cole in the update or any, anybody like Fowler as well, they were all quite expensive in comparison to, to picking up Collymore. And he was an English striker, which, as I say, when you got into the European uh, stage and you could only pick uh, three foreign players, he was an incredibly important player. So, you know, he he scored hatfuls of golf for me. If I was playing my, my cheeky formation where I'd get quite a few, you know, he'd quite often be getting hatchery and things like that for me so and he was very consistent which as I say sometimes with strikers that you knew they wouldn't always be consistent you know people like Cantona and things like that on the game can sometimes struggle to keep their consistency but I've never never ever had that issue with uh, with Big Stan Um, yeah so always a quality buy yeah 
You know, I had many run-ins with them, starting with Sunderland in Division 1, because Forrest were in that division as well. So Forrest had, like, Collymore up front. I think Pierce was in the team. Yeah. Colin Cooper at the back. I think Lars Behenen was playing Lars for Behenen, them as well. yeah, and Brian and then, Roy as well. Yeah, and yeah, Brian Roy and Steve Stone and Centum yeah. Park. It was, so I was playing as Sunderland against them. It was, yeah, they were always battling at the very top. So, no, I always looked to get Collymore, but they would never, he was never interested in coming I wonder why yeah, yeah. <laughs> so from Ant you then picked Marco van Basten now he put specifically from Sierra Metallia um, yeah was he was he available in the the non sort of the original version or was he only in Sierra Metallia not to my recollection yeah. I, I've I've played on several of the 93 94 kind of versions and I've never seen van Basten appear on that um foreign like um transfer list i don't know about you nick yeah i, I never saw it yeah. so yeah that's why i just see him because he, he was just an absolute goal machine i think out of all of the strikers i've played within kind of champ man's probably he's even into the newer ones uh, or the later versions even um i don't think i've had anybody who was as good as him um you just obviously he had a team of superstars around him anyway with the maldini's barriers he's the ball bands we've mentioned he um there was a lentini as well who started mm. the game normally injured for yeah. about 30 or 50 weeks or something and he came back he was amazing and like I say a papan up front with van basten it was you know, almost a game of who can score more, and Van Basten tended to win. Um, yeah, so that's why just so many good memories of sitting there with Milan at the San Siro, um, aka my living room, um, watching <laughs> Van Basten, you know, go around the keeper. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't agree more, though. He was absolute quality. I mean, to be fair, I didn't even think about putting any of the Italian players into my, my selection, but if I was to pick... Um, even just one, I com- completely com- agree with you more, Van Basten. And it's definitely there because I don't know about you, but it's even more special for me to, to, to be able to use him on that because he obviously had such a short career. He would have retired probably not long after that, that last update disc. Oh, yeah, so I you think about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, there, have, there weren't many games that you ever got to really use him on. And, you know, he was such a such a quality player in real life and even more in the game. And as you say, we, we couldn't ever buy him on the... Uh, the, the English version of the games, the, the foreign player list was very limited, you know, in the very first version, you actually only had half, you know, half a dozen real real players, actually, a lot of them were made up players or loosely based on real players, and then the update disc, you had quite a few more, you had like Christian Vieri and, and um, yeah. Conti were probably the two big Italian-based non-English players. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you never got the chance to, to pick up Van Basten on no, that, unfortunately. So- so that's one thing you should have picked up with the Collier brothers, Dave, when you met with them, is why Why did they put Ian Jess in instead of Marco Van Basten? There'll be a lot of very angry Aberdeen fans right now. <laughs> Apologies to all, you know, up the Dons. Is it the Dons, is it? Yeah, yeah. You had a ton of Scottish players going right down, like, like you say, Ian Jess, Jerry Creaney, people like that, and... and, and John Robertson from Hearts and stuff that would, you know, 90% of teams wouldn't even touch, but no Van Bastens or, or uh, Papans or anybody else there, you know. So I always remember him just thought he was, he was about 78 million. He wasn't cheap. Yeah. He was yeah. really expensive. Yeah. So, him, uh, him and Duncan Disorderly were the two expensive <laughs> Scottish players. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Nick, your last pick was 
Terry Wilson of yeah. Nottingham Forest, I think. That's the one, yeah. It's a name that doesn't spring to many people's minds when you, you think of uh, of quality players at the time. I, to be fair, I, I only actually looked him up uh, in terms of what happened with his real career recently. He's only available on the 93 version because he disappears off on the updates because in, in you know, the real world he got uh, quite a bad injury. He was a Scottish midfielder, occasionally repped in at um, centre-back. And he, he got some pretty bad injuries and retired in his, I think, early 20s. But um, but I had a particular version of the game. It was one of the ones that I ran for quite a long time where um, he somehow, due to a corruption in one of the updates, um, got a creativity rating of about 147, which <laughs> I'm still not sure whether that's true. But I, 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 it's, one, it's one of the few times I've copied a game and I did give a few of my friends a, a copy of one of them confirmed with me a little while ago that that was around about the ballpark of his, his creativity. And it was it was a strange game because I'd been playing for three or four seasons with the United. Hadn't really won anything, but somehow hadn't been sacked. And I noticed this um, Notts Forest team had come up, been promoted, and and were winning games four or five nil every game. And I couldn't work out why. And then I suddenly spotted this stats rating on Terry Wilson. Managed to prize him away for a... A princely sum of about four million, and he he was the, the the player that my team was built around for the next you know nine or ten seasons. He was absolutely absolutely incredible uh, player on there, and you know sadly sad for him that his real career was never quite the same. But I've never I've never ever seen a corruption like that in any of the games I've played since. So yeah, it definitely holds a very very special memory for me. I don't know if you had ever had anything like that in yours, and whether there was any anything random or strange that that quite happened like that. Um, maybe the odd little thing, but nothing to that extreme. I mean, that that's tremendous. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look back and speak to a few mates from back in school days and say, did you ever buy a Terry Wilson just to see if they ever had a that kind of deal? I really doubt it. Yeah, I don't. I don't ever happened for him in any other version. I, I, I bet it was just my my one where it corrupted. Uh, one thing I don't know if, if you ever used to get this that you quite quite often see for a bug wise was players' names after a few years you'd get some very strange combinations of letters instead of players' names. Um yeah. sort of especially for foreign teams that weren't real players, you know. No, definitely well I even remember somewhere it was just a first name and then that was it. <laughs> you get what I mean? Like so in the case of Paul Warhurst it was just Paul then a massive gap of nothing. But you were just like, Oh well it's Paul. That's it. So like yeah. Brazilian. Or in Brazilian. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, starting to lose on hope, I think, dropping his. Uh, if anybody was allowed it, Paul Warhouse was <laughs> yeah, allowed it. Yeah. 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 Paul Hill, Paul. Um, last on the list, Ant, uh, you went with Robbie Fowler, who must have just been a baby when this game came out. Yeah, um, he, he was, and I think what I liked about it is that um, playing as even lower league teams, you, if you were a decent lower league team, you could buy him because. In the kind of first version, he was almost seen as a, you know, he was a youth at Liverpool. He wasn't their kind of god that he became. But what I really liked about Fowler is how right they got about him. Because you would buy him and he was unbelievable. He would be scoring you 20, 30 goals a season, easy if not more. Um, And he was a prolific goal scorer. And the fact that he went on and did it in real life, I was just like, they've nailed this. You know, they've actually got this spot on. And I think it just, 
him doing that, it then kind of made us think about the fact that what we love about Chapman is you do have these kind of affiliations then with players and you think a lot of Chapman greats came about as how, you know, back in Yoko in 97-98, how he was amazing in the game but didn't really turn out to be. You've got obviously, say, Cherno Samba and your Tonto Zona Makokos from the 0-1 or 2. Obviously, just, they're just two from a very long list from that series that come to mind. And... I can't obviously see some of these legends without maybe saying the name Freddie Adu mm-hmm. as a wonder kid who never went on to do anything. And I, I just think they got it so right that he was this youngster, you bought him and he was unbelievable. And that, that, that to me was just a great thing to think. I had him playing in my son and team when I was nine years old and, you know, kind of looking back you've then got kind of oh I've got Fowler playing and then you see Fowler scoring goals for Liverpool and you're like yeah he's playing for my son and team so <laughs> must be massively satisfying for a, a researcher to have someone like that to come through and obviously go on to do everything Robbie Fowler did oh, yeah. yeah 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 definitely definitely but when I say about wonder kids um, obviously when as mentioned about Freddie Adu and stuff like that, did Wonder Kids only come in in that series? Of, I know it's later on, and we're not talking about Champman 93, 94 there. Do I know, was that like the first one of the Football Manager series that they started to categorise kind of young stars as Wonder Kids? Because in ours, it was a case of you ask your youth scout to say, do you recommend him or not? Did he have a little red R box beside him or not? And that was it. Yeah, I think probably later on they started to actually categorise players, but I imagine when it started to become a bit of a term was when... Um, they released the editor for Champman ninety seven ninety eight. So uh, as far as I know, that was the first game to have an editor, and that had the potential rating in, within it. And I think from there, people could start to pick out these wonder kids, whatever you want to call them. So I think I guess that's probably where it came from. Yeah. Um, well, gents, uh, we've, uh, we've we've come to the end of this little uh, trip down memory lane. <laughs> but uh, thank you both so much for your time. I've I've certainly learned a lot, and uh, I hope everyone else has uh, has enjoyed listening to this Perry's take us through these uh, these great games um, Nick where can people find you on Twitter or anything else if they want to reminisce with Terry Wilson uh, they just yeah through Twitter if they uh, just look for at Disco Nick it's Disco with a K or one word they can they can chat to me till you know the cows come home about good old Terry or uh, or um, playing you know four up front or anything like that <laughs> just, just drop me a line and uh more than happy to to reminisce about anything anything in these games at all it's always good to uh to to bring back the memories with other people and find out what their experiences were fantastic and uh and Anth, where can uh, where can people do the same with you um for me it's just at aj mariner and it's basically my surname m-a-r-r-i-n-e E-R. So, but I must admit, I do want to ask Nick, obviously, reminisce on Champman, but can also reminisce about Disco times and the Disco tech, or not, <laughs> Nick? Or? It's more uh, more of a play on the good old Disco stew from uh, Disco Simpsons. Stew, right. but, uh, but, yeah, so you, had, had to give it my own little twang with a K there. <laughs> so you were keen rollerblader as well, we take it then. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't ask about the fish in my shoes, but yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> yeah. thank you both very much, and uh, enjoy your discos. Hey, great stuff. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Thanks, Sam. Take it thank easy, you guys. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Bjorn Heidenstrom, Championship Manager, 97-98 legend. Bjorn, how are you, sir? Oh, very good, sir. It's... Uh... 
I'm so happy to to speak with uh, one of uh, the men I see on Twitter. That's you, David. That's me. <laughs> I spend too much time on Twitter, but uh, thanks so much, Bjorn, for uh, for joining us uh, on the on the podcast here. We're uh, quite in quite a new podcast, and you know, anyone who can put their time aside to help us get our name out there is, is really helpful to, uh, for me, and uh, hopefully for everyone else who's looking forward to, to hearing our chat today. Yeah. Uh, so what we'll do is, Bjorn, if it's all right with you, we'll, we'll start with. Uh, with you and, and you know your time at, at Leighton Orient and, and all the you know the, the championship manager kind of stuff and we'll loop back around to the present day because there's there's a lot coming up uh, which we've got to get excited about um yeah. so if I take you back to uh to the mid 90s uh can you tell us how you ended up at Leighton Orient um how you you know went to sign for was it um which tailor was it at the time T- Tommy Taylor yeah it's, it's Tommy Taylor he told me saw me some years before that when he was in Cambridge, I think. And uh, what happens is that this is my, uh, um, it's, it's, uh, I have one more season and then, and then I'm, and then I'm uh, retired, but this is, so this is like one and a half, two years before my retirement. So he, he basically calls me on my cell phone and I, and I think uh, it was a friend who was doing a joke with me because he's like, hello, it's Tommy Taylor. Peter Shilton have his 1,000 miles. Can you play for us? And I was like, uh, let me call you up again. <laughs> so, But he had seen me there, and they had a midfielder um, who had uh, uh, injury. Uh, uh, what was the English word? Uh, injury. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they, they wanted to hire me for the 1,000 game for the legend Peter Shilton, and uh, and then I got uh, a, a couple of more in that club. So, what was it like playing in that game in the, the, the thousandth game? Because I, I was quite young at the time, but I remember it being, you know, a big deal. Which, of course, it was for someone to hit a thousand oh. games. Oh yeah, for for me, it was uh, when they asked me <laughs> what what uh, how much do we need to pay you? I said, how much do I need to pay you? <laughs> because um, I don't know if you know, but. Uh, English football is enormous, and it was during my uh, years as a kid. It was the only country we looked at. So, if you asked one thousand kids in Norway around the sixties, seventies, and eighties, no, none would reply with a uh, with, with a German or a Spanish Italian team. Everyone was an English team. So, English football was was enormous, and then of course. Uh, uh, the national team, since Norway is never, <laughs> almost never in the World Championship, we all we all cheered for England and and Peter Shilton, a legend. So it was um, it was great, and the club um, with um, with the atmosphere around it was uh, was 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 great. So for me, great memories. Do you remember much about the game itself, or was it you know all the occasion in the game that sticks in the memory? Yeah, it, it was. It's, uh, I mean, the the first thing was. Uh, was to meet uh, um, Peter Shilton through gentleman and then to listen to his stories. Uh, and um, next next thing was it's a uh, intim nice atmosphere and then meeting Brighton. Um, and and then of course Sky Channel was there and it was live coverage. And it was um, uh, it was a great atmosphere and um, and we won. <laughs> And um, uh, it, it was also one of those uh, games for uh, for me and my family and my friends around that we we, we talk about that game like 
five to ten times every year and we still do and i and i of course uh, make um i have pumped up the story because i have friends who had played in in uh, in um, liverpool and they have played in in manchester united so so i tell them that old trafford is nothing and brisbane road <laughs> that team <laughs> did um do you have a team you followed from, from the english league when you were back in norway or is it uh... yeah yeah it was liverpool oh, liverpool right. Yeah, so, yeah. My my family was uh, sailors, so my uncle came home when I was six years old and said, "Here is your gift." And I, yeah, it was that red football shirt. So that was a great time because Liverpool won a lot with Keegan, <laughs> Pashak, and McDermott and all those good guys. Do you still follow Liverpool now, then, or are you kind of a bit more removed from it now? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I do, especially now <laughs> with club. Oh, no, I, I had some years where I, where um, you know, you get uh, a family, kids, uh, and, and business, but but uh, but now um, it's great again. Um, around around me, it's like uh, almost all of my friends is uh, Man United, uh, Arsenal, and Tottenham. Uh, all of them have had great years, uh, of course, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, and, and Man City. But uh, but now, Liverpool at the top, so it's um, it's a good year now. Oh yeah, um, I think they're going to win the league. <laughs> it looks like, <laughs> looks like that. Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? Um, so your time at Leighton Orient was 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 quite short. Was there ever a chance of you staying on longer, or was it uh, always going to be just a short term arrangement? It was that short. They 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 hired me for that. Um, uh, that game against Brighton, and then they, um, uh, then I had to call home because I was a uh, playing. I was still playing, uh, um, but I had uh, uh, um, a job, so I had to call oh, right. the company about. Okay, no, I said, can I please play two more games? Well, um, the main, the main one was um, then the next one was against Swansea, and uh, Jan Mulby was the playing manager. <laughs> And me being a, a Liverpool fan was like, please, can I play that? <laughs> so, um, and that's also uh, the second best memory because uh, what's the English impression when you make a joke to to another uh, mate? Is that to, to to pull 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 his leg? Do you say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Have Have you heard about uh, me going in and the toll station? No, no. No, well, um, I I fell asleep on the bus to, uh, <laughs> and of course, all the English and uh, a Scottish lad. They said, "Okay, let's take the Norwegian guy here." But they have this, they have this um, toll. Um, uh, you know, they want to pay for the roads. They have these toll booths. You have to pay, yeah, three pounds or something. But they wake me up, uh, and everybody is shouting, "Where is your passport? This is the passport control." to wales uh we english have a deal, <laughs> but we get fined so where is your passport and everybody was very angry tommy taylor the manager the bus driver <laughs> so i found i found my passport and i run those hundred meters because they are parked the bus far away from that you know little box where a, where a nice lady sits and and she has that like what why, why is he running <laughs> Me. I give her my passport and I said, I'm from Norway, although the chaps is from England. He starts to laugh, of course, and I look up like, okay, three pounds. Uh, and I turned around and could see 
40, 50 Englishmen <laughs> with a finger. Everybody had uh, yeah, the bird. So um, uh, that story spread uh, all over Brisbane Road. So um, until the last day, everybody asked me uh, for the whole period. Wait, wait. <laughs> So yeah, so that was the stupid Norwegian on the. On. It's, a, it's a great story though. It's a brilliant camaraderie back then. Um, do you still speak to anybody from from Latin Orient or is it? No, I, I just follow them on on, on Twitter and I've uh, um, and I've uh, I followed actually especially um, Barry Hearn because oh, yes, that's yeah, yeah because uh, very interesting how he kind of um, picked up slash bought Leighton or in the main stadium. And um, so so I have some friend who's doing property in Norway. So they, they yeah, followed Barry Hearn and we have, of course, followed the, 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 the club. So it's uh, very interesting. So the main reason that, uh, that I certainly know you is because of Championship Manager. Um, as you probably know, you're, uh, you're quite well known as a bit of a championship manager legend, uh, so much so you, you recently made Nick Rowe's uh, team of the game, or whatever you want to call it, where everyone voted yeah. in the hundreds to uh, to slot you in the in the centre midfield. Um, when did you first learn you were uh, you were such a such a hero on the game? <laughs> it was it's, for me. It's been a fantastic story and still is a fantastic story and and again i'm a marketing man and a man who loves stories i i'm i'm, I'm pumping the story <laughs> um well i i was it was one year after I, my retirement and it was um a kid <laughs> going towards me in my hometown and he said uh, excuse me sir and I said yes um i just bought you and you you you, you you're doing great <laughs> and I said what? <laughs> and then he, and then he explained about the the, um, the game. And then it, was, it just went two, three months. And then I was in this big, big um, VIP VIP banquet dinner. And one of the famous comedian in Norway, he sat suddenly uh, over the table and said, "Excuse me, are you that Bjorn Heidenstrom?" <laughs> And I, in Norway, I'm of course I'm not known at all. Um, uh, and uh, then I said, "What do you mean by that?" Yeah, I'm playing you all the time, and you you. <laughs> so he also was. So once once every year, it, it comes uh, a person in a pub or a place on on a, on a holiday. So it's for me, it's it's great fun, really, really good. Yeah, I mean. I- it's pleasing to find someone like yourself who you know really embraces it. Uh, there's a few out there who who sort of see the other side of it, and uh, you know maybe they didn't live up to what the game said they were going to be, and they find that quite difficult to to handle. But uh, you know you're totally the opposite of that, uh, which makes <laughs> yeah. it, makes it a lot easier for me. So, uh, <laughs> um, you don't actually play the game yourself, though, do you? You haven't uh, really been bitten by the bug just yet. No, I, I've never played any any computer games or all the games, uh, but I but I follow actually follow uh, because um, one of the greatest thing for football for me is uh, the camaraderie, um, the what do you call it, the the, the family, like oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. And, uh, and one of my biggest word words uh, and energies is enthusiasm. So when so, so especially through Twitter, when I can see that enthusiasm around, when you know people have the squad and they are losing, winning, I, I like the enthusiasm around uh, um, 
uh, yeah, so it, ma- it makes it uh, unique, more man- unique than the other computer games where the, where, I, where where I can't see the ID. Uh, here I see the family, the camaraderie. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, in the game you're um, you're a defender or a midfielder. Would you say you were more of a central midfielder when you in your playing days, or did you? Where did the defender part come from? Well, I, I was that. I was. Um, I think um, in in my time as a player, I played on the national boys team, national youth team, and and um, top level Norway and second level Norway, and all of the games was a central uh, defensive midfielder, or uh, uh, sometimes the uh, you say the mid back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the mid back. Yeah, but I think ninety five percent of the games it was a central defender um yeah my favorite position all right okay um so as well in the game you're uh, quite quite a nifty penalty taker is that something you used to do or is that just yeah yeah oh very good See, very the researchers yeah, very, have done their job <laughs> very proud of that i was uh, recently now uh, my, my wife is a police officer and they they do their shooting practice so I always brag about my penalties because I um, in in all the teams there are very many very good penalty takers. But something happens when it's the, for example, the Norwegian Championship final, uh, and you know um, it's a hero or not. And then and then I had um, uh, I was I was not afraid to miss. So that's why it always, I think, went uh, good. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I think quite often people say a lot of penalties is in your head. Um, you know, yeah, professional so. football is obviously going to hit the target under no pressure, and it's just coming down to how you, how you handle it. So you must have ice running through your veins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I worked a lot with it because I started with that, like to take penalties when I was ten years old. So I actually went fourteen years old. I went to the biggest uh, sports uh, psychologist in 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 Scandinavia called Willy Railo, and and I went to him because of the penalties. Uh, he was the one who said he started with goalies. He said that the goalie who accept that he will. Um, uh, uh, be defeated on a penalty. He's the goalie that takes most. Um, so it's the same thing with the penalty taker. Like if he accepts that he could miss, then he is more relaxed and has a bit, yeah. 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 a bit of insight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked for me. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, can you see yourself going into coaching or management in the future, or uh, have you got too much else going on? I have that um, fantastic dream. I think once every month. Uh, well, um, um, but I, I'll, I'll live my my. The most wonderful thing in my life is actually nature. So I work with nature. I make nature book. I'm on expeditions, and um, you can see on my Twitter account that it's a lot of nature. But the, the second one is is football, and. Um, I have a lot of friends that I played with who is, um, is coaches and managers. And, uh, of course, when they are <laughs> doing great with the teams, I think, okay, next year I could go into. And then you start to think and dream. But then I also speak with the same men the year after where they're 
you know, there are all of the newspapers and they are called uh, called idiots and, and scumbags and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have, as we all know, both uh, that's both sides of that and that um, coach manager story. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a thankless task, I think, sometimes. <laughs> Uh, if I were you, I'd, st- I would stick with your nature. It's, you, I've seen your uh, your Twitter, and you, you get some some fantastic photos from your expeditions. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I I like doing that, and and and, and I have um, just an example of um, uh, uh, um, a mate who who did great is doing great, and I'm still wondering why they sacked him. That's uh, Ronnie Daila who went to oh, Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he went to Celtic, and he won, and he won. Um, but he didn't win in the Euro- European uh, Cup, and then I sacked him, and I thought, okay. So it's uh, tough, a tough environment uh, sometimes. It certainly is. Yeah. Um, another expedition you did, which links you two sort of passions together, was um, in 2010. Uh, you did the, I think it's called the Shirt Expedition, yeah. that, that's fair to say. Can you just tell us a bit about what that was all about? I, I sat as a marketing manager in Volringa Football, uh, top team in in Oslo, our capital, and um, I do a lot of nature stuff, and I do longer and longer trips. Did one expedition, and then, then it was the the UN who came and said we want uh, attention on the refugees because it's forty three million refugees in the world. This is two thousand and eight. And nobody's talking about it because um, uh, that was the situation in 2008. And I said, well, I have actually I started to, to build an idea, and that is how to how football can help with the attention. So I told them that I can be the idiot who cycles from Norway to the World Cup in South Africa. And, I said, and the UN said, okay, so what's going to happen then? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my family, the football family, and I'm gonna ask them for signed football shirts, and I'm gonna sew them together. So all these football shirts is in in my tribe is the holy thing. I mean, every man, lady who loves the team has their shirt, and then, and then they understood that, and they said, so so you're gonna cycle from Norway to Johannesburg, collect signed shirt, and sew them together with this big big shirt. Yeah. And I said, and, and then I was like, what's going to happen then? I said, what's going to happen, I think, is that at least the football fans and the players are going to say, okay, let's have some attention on the 43 million who is running at the moment, who are refugees. But I also think I'm going to motivate or, or lure or trick journalists to, to um, write about it, then to make photos. And then I said, okay, good luck, started, and in three or four weeks, I was just an idiot because nobody responded. But then, Swedish small teams, then Finnish, and then into Russia, Russian teams, and then I, I went, and then I, my direction was then going to Great Britain, and then Sir Elton John signed the Watford shirt. Oh, wow. And then going into Britain, Northern Ireland, and more and more team joined, and then uh, I actually got a phone from Barcelona. When I was cycling around, I was in Derry, Northern Ireland, and I called and said, can you please cycle into our club, Barcelona? 
Messi and the guys can sign. And then I understood that, okay, it's building. And so I was cycling for a year. And um, and in every, it was in 85 countries in the world had a main newspaper with uh, one, two or three pages of football who wanted to help or, or to 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 uh, expose that it was 40 million refugees in the world. So it was a fantastic story what football can do for uh, those who need uh, some some help and um, built built by the whole uh, the whole expedition was carried by fans and of course helped by clubs and players um, from from small six division players up to to um, to to Messi um, but it was the fans who um, uh, it was the Twitter and the and the Facebook and um, and the social media that carried me um, from Norway to South Africa so it was a great um, example of how 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 the football family can help each other yeah, and the end result is uh, is incredible. Looking from the pictures, um, are they still yeah. available on your, your website? I'm guessing they must be. Yeah, it's uh, the shirt dot nl, and then um, then you can <laughs> then you can also see the um, uh, some of the uh, because thing turns in football that the two greatest photos that year was when Sepp Blatter signed his shirt, his FIFA shirt, and then the. Other one was when Michel Platini, great guy, great to meet, signed his uh, UEFA shirt, and then you know, the two years after they were they were back. But, <laughs> but actually, uh, both of them, all, both of them, to uh, help that a lot because those photos they brought me into a lot of places. Uh, so yeah, um, it was um, it was an interesting um, uh, bicycle ride. Just a bit. <laughs> Do you think you'd ever do anything like that again, or is that, is that enough for one? <laughs> no, I, I've I've uh, I've done more of it. Uh, I've um, paddled to the Black Sea two years after I've done uh, some other expeditions. So, so um, there are friends uh, and others now who says because the shirt became six hundred and twenty-one signed football shirts, and uh, some around me are now said, "What about?" What if we make it a uh, XXXXL size, like double? And and I would like to do that, but but then I need to have somebody around me because I was alone for a year with my bicycle. <laughs> so then I need some some championship manager uh, friends. Uh, maybe not cycle. Maybe we should do it on a scooter. I don't know or scooters. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm um, I'm ready for uh, good ideas about how to make it again. I tell you, if you put the idea out, people will do it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, who did the sewing? Did you have to sew it all as you went, or did someone else do it for you? It is the most beautiful moment on the trip because I have I'm lucky with, or especially lucky with one friend on that journey. Uh, in a lot of months, I had no friends, but the football fans and players helped me. But in the end there, it was Chetel CM, good friend Chetel CM. Uh, he was then um, the president of the South African Premier League. And uh, so he called me and said, how is it doing? How is it going? And 
And when I came really, really close, because I sent the, the search home uh, um, every week to, to my wife and friends, I said, well, I have 621 now. I said, you have to send them to South Africa. Maybe we can sort them together. And uh, when I arrived, he said, I've got them. But it's uh, the, the, the man in the custom, he, he wants um, 5,000 pounds to get them out. <laughs> He's corrupt, uh, but I said, and and I, and I don't have that in my hand now, Bjorn. But uh, tomorrow it's the opening of the World Cup. Um, I had just arrived there with my bicycle, and I'm sorry to say this, but but I guess in fourteen days I can, you know. And but Tittle was lying because he is the man who does these things. He he, he tricks people. <laughs> he loves to trick people. So I. He he gets me a shower. He gives me a white shirt. He brings me to the soccer city, the opening ceremony. President Suma lands in the helicopter. I get a beer, and I just looks around me. Uh, I think it's eighty five thousand seats there, all the world press. And then his wife Irena says, uh, "Look, Bjorn, there's your shirt." And then they had sewn those six hundred and twenty one shirts together behind my back and carry that out that big symbol out on the midfield president suma opens the world cups kneels down on my shirt and signs the south african jersey and i was crying um so they the rest of the world cup they had it uh, on on a on a mall, so so I was talking with media and press every day about forty three million refugees and how football wants to help. So yeah, great story. It is, I think it's brilliant. Um, so what's uh, what's next on the horizon for for you, Bjorn? The the next for me now is, um, and I really look forward to it. It's been four or five years just with nature now but i start with uh, a book i have started with a book uh, because as you know i played three games for late Orient, so I'm, I'm the least at least known professional on the planet earth i think but but i was once eight years old and i was wondering how can i become professional and that's what my book's going to be about because i have on my list 43 ex professionals and that that's you know Manchester United Liverpool um, Manchester City etc professionals and and I look forward to to meet all those uh, great guys and and um, ask that question how can the next uh, little boy or little girl become professional and um, I have done the first um, talks and it's uh, fantastic fun um, yeah yeah, I mean, some of the names on the list, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to spoil them or not, but some of them are... Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Um, certainly, from, you know, from Premier League fans, uh, Oli Solskjaer is on the list, uh, Torrent de Flo, yeah. Eric Backer, yeah. uh, Lars Bohinen, Ronnie Johnson, yeah. uh, and then further afield, we've got Martin Odegaard, who's obviously making great waves at the minute, um, Jason Roberts, Legard Hegem. There's yeah. a whole host of you know really well-known players on this on this list, which I'm really looking forward to hearing from. Um, so we'll be following the, the progress of that with uh, with a lot of interest. Be honest, if you want to keep us updated, surely as you go through, we'll. Uh, yeah, we'll... I would. I would. Um, it's it's on my list to to see if I can find. I guess in the in the um, CM uh, 
um, community, there has to be some uh, some uh, coaches and trainers and somebody with uh, with uh, with kids. So I would love uh, to get um, uh, questions like, what do what do the community want me to ask them? Because uh, I have mine, but uh, but um, I would like more to to. Yeah, oh, absolutely. After this, uh, after this podcast goes out, we'll we'll ask the question for you. And uh, I mean, as you as you know from Twitter, it connects people from uh, all corners of the globe. So you'll get yeah. a, a huge variety of questions, I'm sure, which will uh, hopefully be very helpful for you. It's, um, yeah, but, but, uh, I, um, the one I've been warming up with is, is uh, Ronnie Johnson, um, Manchester United, and uh, and I. Sitting in the same room because we are, we are friends, we're pals. We can talk about everything about ski or training, and then. But when, but when I, you know, I, I opened a beer and I said, uh, Ronnie, can, can't you tell me about the first two days in Manchester United when he starts to to talk? To you you feel like a seven years old boy, you know, <laughs> listening to your great grandfather. And uh, but but there are fantastic stories, fantastic stories. Uh, he also have uh, you know he started all in Besiktas, uh, Turkey, so he, he has some good stories there too. Yeah, he actually um, played for my club, Newcastle, towards the end of his career. Yeah, yes, yes. And uh, be- before he signed, um, I think it must have been at Aston Villa, I think. And uh, yeah. Graham Sooness had called him some names when he'd been playing for, for, for Aston Villa. And then a few months in the job, when Sunas took the Newcastle job, he signed Ronnie on a free transfer, and it was just all forgotten about. But it was just um, he must have some stories then from playing for, for Sunas because uh, he was a bit, a bit of a fiery character. <laughs> we took him. Uh, we took him from your Newcastle back to to the club I worked for, Wolverhampton. Uh, so he was uh, it was a chance because we thought maybe his legs was was like gone forever um, and couldn't play anymore. But he he was. The main reason, together with um, Stefan Iversen, ex-Tottenham, oh, yes. these two were the one. So we won uh, gold with uh, with those players, and Ronnie and uh, Stefan was um, the two main reasons. Uh, so Tour de Flu also joined uh, there. So great players. And the last thing I want to ask you about is um, there's a lot of Norwegian and Scandinavian in general. It's very well represented in, in, in Championship Manager. Uh, another Norwegian legend is Tommy Svindel Larsson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know Tommy at all? Yes, very well. We we spoke together three days ago about this uh, fantastic uh, uh, environment, uh, uh, clan, community, <laughs> championship manager, and he he is well aware of what he's, he's been interviewed about. It. He had a great uh, career in um, in in Germany, and I uh, spoke. Uh, we told me about one thing as because I said I think it's so fun to be remembered it's so fun to see the enthusiasm so shouldn't we go to London or a city in in Great Britain and and see if we could make an event once so we, we talked about a gathering for the players and the players so uh, so he is uh, he has the same. Uh, way of thinking as me that he's a he's a great fan of the of the community. Um, so he's a football coach and uh, living down in in Poshkin and Shen and and doing good. Well, I mean that, that'll be incredible. Uh, you heard it here first. Ch- Champcon 2020. We'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, I mean that, again it'll be 
incredibly well received, I imagine. Um, as you've seen yourself, it, the, the popularity of these uh, legends of the game, are, uh, are, you know, it's huge. I think uh, a lot of people would, would come out to see you both, and you know, anyone else who, who was there. Um, so if that gets off the ground, we'll uh, we'll support it all the way. Look, I, I, uh, if you allow me, I would like to spice that message up because I was thinking with Tommy because he's also working a bit with events, and I'm uh, have done that, and I said we have to go over, speak with um, three, four, five, and 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 ask would it be cool, would it be fine, would it be fun to make a gathering? So so we guessed that the answer would be yes, but then the next one, like how many and. Uh, I have, I think, 100 times I've stood on a stage telling about the story of what happens when you cycle from Norway to South Africa. <laughs> so um, I could bring that on the, on the, on the table. I, 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 I um, have seen that people like that story, and it's about football <laughs> and, and a crazy man on a, on a cycle. And the other and last thing is that I have only one education and that is beer <laughs> <laughs> so if you combine that too a crazy uh, man on cycle with football shirts that knows a lot about beer that we're going to taste that may maybe maybe can make even more people come uh, to the room we all speak the language of beer so that's <laughs> <laughs> that will not yeah. be a problem <laughs> yeah. uh, last thing i'll ask you before we go um Euro 2020 is just around the corner. Uh, Norway are in the playoffs. Are they likely to qualify, or what's your take on the, the current state of the Norwegian national team? We uh, we are a very very small country, and we have a lot of snow in the winter. So um, I I uh, I we I never think, and I and I don't dare to hope. But uh, if we if we look further on now, then I could be. Look in my crystal ball. If you look two, three years down the road, no, we have got some players now. Um, uh, yeah, you've probably seen Holland down in in Germany. Uh, Holland, the son of Manchester City, Holland is is doing enormously good. And then uh, you have Ödegård in, in in Spain. So it's a generation coming now. So I have actually for the first time in my life big hopes for Norway with the with a generation coming now. So um, let's see what happens. Well, fingers crossed. I think you've got, is it Serbia in the playoffs? Um, it be a bit tough, but who knows? You see, you've got yeah. a good set of players now. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, Bjorn, while we're here, or have we covered everything off? No, I uh, just uh, would like one day to buy at least five pints to the to the lady or man who wrote me into the game uh i'm so thankful for all the times that i see at twitter i see uh, um, somebody comments and i'm involved and it makes me very very happy so uh let us try to find those uh, who, who, who yeah who made this because it's it's great fun well you'll never be short of a beer if we're ever in a place that sells alcohol <laughs> there'll be people queuing up to buy you a drink you've, uh, you've made a lot of people very happy um, what I would say is though, I've, I've, I've tried my best to find out who, who made you this uh, this god of the game but it, it just must have all been you Bjorn you must have just been very, very, very highly rated <laughs> I found my place and that was in the game now it's good fun so I, I hope do, do you think it uh, will um, do, do you think 
people still will play the next two, five, ten years? Yeah, I mean, it's it survived what twenty two years, twenty three years yeah. this year since release. And to be honest, I, I've never the community stronger now than it was twenty years ago because there wasn't really the you know the twitters and things of the world back when the game first came out. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people who are my age sort of grew up playing the game, and now we have families and stuff, and it, it's it's a lot quicker to play this old game than it is to get stuck in the new ones. Uh, yeah. And I, I can't say that changing to be quite honest. I hope it doesn't, or else I'll have nothing to do. <laughs> So Tommy and I, we need to go to Great Britain just to 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 ensure that it gets twenty new years of of long into into our names. Yeah, let's make it happen. Yeah, uh, where can uh, where can people find you Bjorn, on on Twitter and and anything else you have? Yeah, it's um, Heidenstrom on Twitter and uh, and uh, Instagram and. Um, yeah, please uh, look inside there. You see a lot of nature and some football. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, Bjorn, thanks again ever so much for uh, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, the same. Thank you, sir. So there we go then, Ross. Are you looking forward to uh, what we're going to call ChampCon 2020? Yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> something, I think this could be huge. Yeah, I like what he's done in, in one interview what we've been threatening to do for about 15 years, but get everyone together in uh, in one room. Uh, let's, let's, hope, let, let's, let's make it happen. Yeah, it could be absolutely massive. And yeah, like you say, it's, everyone's talked about this for a long time, but it, it takes one man and probably the right man to put this together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can just imagine, uh, you know, side of the table, me, you, Cherno Samba, <laughs> Mark... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, wow. Yeah, the names that could possibly turn up to this stuff could be quite interesting and exciting. So, yeah, that could be fantastic. Obviously, once he does sort of put plans in place, we'll let people know on here. Yeah, obviously, it goes without saying. We'll, we'll throw a weight behind it if it does happen. Um, we'll we'll do our best to make sure it does. Um, and, of course, if you think you can help with this organisation at all, by all means, get in touch. We'll, uh, we'll throw out our Twitter handles and things at the end of the show. Yes. Because, uh, you know... It's not just me and Bjorn or anyone else doing this. It's we're a whole community who are going to make this happen. So we'll have a chat later on. Yeah, it's a very good community. So hopefully we'll get lots of people involved. And also a great interview about CM1 with Nick and Ant. It's a game I've never really played. So Yeah, I mean, I've played a couple of scenes on it just for, for completeness sake. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't in a position to give any expert views on it. Um, the lads know it inside out. Um, it is very interesting to see how it, all, how it all started and how it evolved into the game we know today. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, CM2 is our intro, and that's going to be probably our next episode in the next few episodes, I'd imagine. Yeah, there's uh, no, no shortage of uh, people willing to talk about that, so <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get a bit of mileage out of those. Yeah, there's a big community, and there seems to be a community of people that are coming out of the woodwork as well, on number two especially. Yeah, it seems like um, certainly people have sort of grown up with the game, gone away and had you know had a family or whatever then they've come back around to it now and they've now got a little bit more time again and they've rediscovered it so it's uh, the community is actually stronger now than it's ever been it is yeah it's fantastic to see but anyway let's talk about the community let's get on with the uh, the biggest community thing that's happening this year at least it's the cm uh, 2020 cup anglo-italian version this time we've done a world cup we've done a, a draft style cup yeah so this year um this is first time we've opened up qualifiers we have such a huge interest in the in the tournament every year um 
it's basically been handpicked by me previously. Uh, so this year we'll open it up to qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to use the Anglo-Italian Cup to do that. Um, the main event won't be Anglo-Italian Cup. Um, we'll come on to that later on. But yeah. uh, for the terms of qualifying, we thought we'd bring back an old retro-style tournament, which I think ended in '96. Um, but we're going to bring it into Champion 97, 98. Uh, we had over 50 applicants for the 16 wow. spaces. So uh, I know it didn't sound a lot, but it was a lot of Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you know, I'm sorry to those who who were doing be disappointed who haven't quite uh, who haven't made it. It was just literally drawn out of a hat. Um, and now to add a sense of I don't know what you call it, theatre or pizzazz as much you can have <laughs> over a podcast. Uh, Ross is going to help me with the draw. So. Uh, for those of you who remember the Anglo-Italian Cup, and for those who don't, um, it is made up of um, eight English teams and eight Italian teams. They are the three teams relegated from the Premier League in the previous season, which in this case will be Sunderland, Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest, uh, plus the highest five-ranking teams from Division 1 who weren't promoted. So that is Wolves, Ipswich, Sheffield United, Portsmouth and Port Vale. Port Vale? Port Vale, really? They have a good wow. season? <laughs> Uh, and, then, and then it's the same from Italy. Uh, the four relegated sides from Serie A, which is Cagliari, Perugia, Verona, and Reggiana. And uh, the four highest in Serie B who weren't promoted Genoa, Pescara, Chievo, and Ravenna. Uh, so they end up in two groups um, four English teams, four Italian teams in each group. And if you're still with us, uh, the, <laughs> idea, the idea of this draw is that uh, Ross is going to give me uh, numbers between 1 and 16, which is going to be the team, and they'll fall into a group. Uh, and he's going to give me a number between 17 and 32, which will be the manager going against that team. Yes. Clear as mud? <laughs> it, it makes sense. It will make sense once you hear it as well. But I think for next year, um, the CM Inter Toto Cup, they can get 50 teams in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just get the poorest teams possible. We'll <laughs> get about 19 winners as well. All right, and yeah, yes. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to draw the first manager from the hat. Well, the first team from the hat, sorry. But, First team, right? So any number between one and sixteen, please. Okay, random generator on uh, Google. That could be number ten. Number ten. So that's Pescara. Ooh. Okay. I know nothing about Pescara except they are Italian. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the limit of my knowledge on them as well. Um, do you want another number between one and sixteen, or uh, a seventeen uh, and thirty-two? A, a number between seventeen and thirty-two, please. Okay, we got number thirty. Thirty. That's Luke Walker. Ooh. Good luck, Luke. Get uh, swatting up on Pescara. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, so back to one to sixteen, please. Okay. Number eight. Number eight uh, is Ravenna. Ooh, okay. Another Italian team who I know nothing about. <laughs> and then uh, that is manager number thirty-one. Uh, Jacob Clear. Okay. Yeah. These don't guys... uh, don't be too pleased with that, Jacob. <laughs> Yeah, they should be getting loading up their uh, CM9798 games to uh, do some research, I think. You'd be surprised when people ask, like, let me know as soon as you know so I can start practicing. So. <laughs> uh, team number seven? Seven at Sunderland. Oh. <laughs> and manager number 24 gets Sunderland. Uh, that is Joey Lund. Wow, okay, good luck. That Sunderland team, not, not, not too bad, I suppose, in that game. Oh, they're all right. Yeah. Uh, team number 11. 11 is Kievo. Nice. I know a bit about those. What, recently, anyway, not in 1998. Uh, <laughs> manager number 25. 25 is Mark Burridge. Good luck, Mark. Okay. Uh, team number 5. 
Five is Ipswich Town. Okay. With manager number 18. Uh, 18 is Dan Palmer. Okay. <clears throat> uh, Google's giving me eight. I feel like we've had eight already. We've had eight, yeah. Okay. Number one. Number one is Port Vale. Ooh. The people's champions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with 26. Uh, 26 is James Crossley. Good luck, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, team number four? Four is Perugia. Okay. With manager number 17. Perugia. And 17 is uh, Chris Darwin. Oh, good who, luck, Chris. We, we had to relegate from the main tour. <laughs> Due to poor performance. <laughs> you, got your, you got your work out of you as well, Chris, I think, with this one. But... Uh, t- team number 11? 11. We already had that, was Kiev. Oh, we had. Number 14? Nottingham Forest. Ooh, okay, decent. With... Pierre Van Hooydonk, if he's not on strike. Yeah, <laughs> manager number 19. Uh, Tom Mitchum. Oh, has he still got Brian Roy as well, or has he gone? Uh, um, I think he might have him, actually. Oh, that's not a bad strike. I'd have to check. So, let's start Group B then, Dave. Uh, team number 12. So 12 is Sheffield United. And they will be managed by manager number 30. Uh, we've had that. <laughs> okay, 24? Uh, we've had that. <laughs> 23? Yeah, that's Andrew Walker. There you go, Andrew. Sheffield United. Uh, team number 4. Number 4 is uh, Perugia. We've had them. So yeah. you've got 15, 13, 3, 2... Six, sixteen, or nine. Okay, six. Team number six. That's Verona. Okay, and they'll be managed by eighteen. I think I've had that. Yep. <laughs> Twenty-eight. Yeah, it's Sam Calvert. Well done, Sam. You get Verona. Uh, team number fifteen. Uh, Middlesbrough. And they will be managed by number twenty-three. Uh, we've just had that as Andrew Walker. Number 20? Yeah, Andrew Davis. Andrew Davis, you get Borough. Okay. Team number six? Uh, we just had them, that was Verona. <laughs> number 13? That's uh, Wolves. Oh, okay. Uh, number 32? Uh, that's Viren Patel. Okay, good luck with that. Uh, what numbers have we got left? So we've got um, three, two, sixteen, and nine. Um, okay, and then what manager numbers do we have left? Uh, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-seven, and twenty-nine. Okay. Okay, let's go with team number two then. At Calgary. And they shall be managed by team number uh, manager number twenty-nine. That's a chap called Teflon Don. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, team number three. That's Portsmouth. Oh no. <laughs> uh, they'll be managed by number 22. Uh, that's a man called Aiden. Oh, with no, luck, Aiden. With no last name. <laughs> the man with no last name. <clears throat> okay, team number nine. Uh, so that's Genoa. We'll be managed by 27. Uh, that's Nikolai. Okay, and then finally we've got 16 and 21. So that's Reggiana is the team. Is it 
uh, and 21 is a man called Lawrence. Good luck to you all. Yeah, good luck, everyone. Uh, expect an email with some sort of vague instructions about what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's it's great fun to be involved. If, your, if this is your first time being involved in one of these competitions, they are great fun. And the work Dave put is, puts into them uh, is ridiculous, really. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the old uh, fatherhood slash chap cup balance goes this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's an extra element to uh, to consider, but we'll we'll be fine. We're looking forward to it. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, keep an eye out on your emails for those. Um, so that is it then, Dave, for this podcast. What have we got coming up next time? Oh, it involves forward planning, but we'll be looking at uh, Champman 2, uh, in particular the... 95, 96, 96, 97 uh, versions. Uh, of course, there's all the foreign leagues to go with that. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll put, we'll almost certainly do Champman 97, 98 as an episode of its own, um, just because of the, the following it has. It'd be a bit of an uh, episode to miss that, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be looking at the the, the hop from Champman one to Champman two, um, where the game really started to get serious. I think yeah. as a as a you know as a as a management uh, rather than just a game. Yes. Um, so looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. If you've got any knowledge on any of these sort of games, especially the 95, 96, that sort of era, that you want to get involved with us, let us know on Twitter. Um, where can I speak to you, Dave? So I'm on Twitter at CM9798. And then you can find me at RossBell1984, or you can hit our collective uh, Twitter at ManOnThePost. Um, yeah, any other business, Dave? Uh, no, just uh, remember to keep an eye on uh, on the Twitter and the, the blog website, which is cm9798.co.uk. We have um, pretty much a blog a day at the minute. The community's working hard to keep you all entertained, so do drop over and give them a shout. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going up there. Uh, I've got a new one coming up, hopefully, on there. I'm trying to yeah, um, rebuild my reputation. It's got the point now where we have to wait for other blogs to finish before we can publish other ones. So it's, really uh, there's mad, like a wait in there. That's really mad. <laughs> it is, but it's lovely. It's, uh, it's, it's a nice great community work going at the minute yeah some great work going up it's really it's fun to read and all the different saves and the ideas that still people are having new fresh ideas 20 odd years on it's, it's it's great to read it's it's a lot of fun so yeah <coughs> go over to the website and read all the stuff so until next time then Dave it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from you goodbye goodbye and always remember to keep your chat man on the post <laughs>